So I'd like to speak for a little while just now about the practice of meditation and then uh, I'll give you some direct guidance as we begin the formal setting. The practice of insight meditation is essentially concerned with being awake, with exploring and coming to understand for ourselves what it means to be a conscious human being, to be alive in a way in which we know that experience fully and deeply and in a such a way that allows us to navigate the experience of being alive skillfully. So much of what happens in our lives and in our experience, it seems we don't necessarily see clearly or understand that deeply. We can easily find ourselves lost in struggle, confusion, and uh, a sense of not quite knowing how it all works sometimes, I think. It's not unusual. And in the meditation practice, we're not trying to figure anything out. We're not trying to work out the problem or the solution. We're more just interested to see, okay, what's actually happening here? Because whatever is happening here in your meditation and on this retreat is not going to be that different than what happens in your life. But the framework and the setup of what we're doing and how we're doing it here allows us to see it more clearly. Not all of what we see will necessarily be good news. But it's always good news that we can see it. It's always good news that we have the capacity to recognize more fully, more clearly, more deeply what's going on. And from that recognition, orient or align our responses, our choices, our behaviors to come into alignment, to come into harmony with what is true. Because the fundamental reasons why we sometimes find ourselves entangled in struggle or suffering, or feel ourselves distant from a sense of inner peace, well-being, freedom, are to do with that not understanding how things are, and because of that not understanding, not knowing how to skillfully and appropriately respond, which means how to live, and what really serves us in that. And of course we do know lots that is useful, important and valuable. And there's many ways we have learnt and grown in our lives for this to be so. And yet there are elements of this understanding that for many of us are most usefully accessed through allowing ourselves to become more simple, more quiet, more still. And this is the, the territory that meditation practice and being on a retreat as we are, opens up for us. So the meditation isn't about having a particular experience. I think I said that last night. It's not that we're necessarily going to all have some calm, bright, clear, peaceful experience that begins when I ring the bell or say, let's meditate, and ends at the end of the meditation or at the end of the weekend. It's not about that. Sometimes... The mind may be calm, clear, bright. Sometimes it might be agitated, irritated, restless, confused. But whatever is happening, we have the capacity to bring our attention 
into our experience in a certain way. And it's that orientation and that intention to orient in that way that is really what makes the meditation what it is. The intention, in many ways, is simple. To be here. To be awake. To let go of our preoccupation, our intoxication, our addiction and our dependence upon thinking about the past and the future. We spend so much of our life with our mind engaged with things that are gone or that have not yet arisen. Things that aren't actually real in that sense. Of course we can learn from the past and it's important that we do. And we need to take care of things in regard to the future which we might call planning, preparing, evaluating options, of course. But we can spend so much of our life lost in it. Or lost in simple fantasies, entertainments and uh, other engagements of the mind that we don't really ever fully land in and receive what our life is offering us moment by moment. Because our life is offering us not just the opportunity to learn from our experience, but this is part of what it offers in each moment. It's equally offering us a possibility to discover a dimension of fulfillment or nourishment or we could say uh, a kind of a, a wholesome or healing experience born not out of what is happening because what is happening as you'll probably have the chance to notice over this weekend isn't always in our control maybe we know that already what is happening may not be in our control but how we meet it this actually is the most transformative element. This is what actually most significantly determines the quality of our life and our experience moment by moment. So what we're working with here is a training and tools and understandings for how to meet my experience moment by moment. And in that meeting and in the transformation of how we meet our experience, the the very experience of life itself is transformed, is opened up from what can sometimes seem a rather pressured, tight, limited and constrained or compelled experience to something that actually has fluidity, has space, has openness, has still, of course, demands, challenges and difficult elements to it, but which there's actually room to move, to navigate. within and around. So in the sitting meditation, we choose a particular aspect of our experience, which in this case is the sense of the body sitting here breathing. We choose it because it's happening. We don't need to make it happen. Once we've sat down, we're here, we're breathing. It just goes on. So it's not something we need to create or manufacture. It's a natural, organic process that engages the body and the mind. Because if the mind wasn't operating at all, the breath wouldn't be happening. The autonomic nervous system that operates the breathing is dependent on the brain. And so that's something that's just here. 
It's not to say we're suggesting or I'm saying here that the breath is somehow more special or more spiritual or more meaningful or real than other experiences. But what I'm saying is that it's useful and that in simplifying our experience, choosing to attend to a particular area or field within the totality is incredibly helpful for settling, for stabilizing, for grounding ourselves. <coughs> to not be lost in the multiplicity of experience and the complexity of experience and the complication of experience. We just simply choose to say, okay, for now. We're not going to do this all our life. Sometimes we're going to need to do other things like, you know, have a meal or go to the bathroom or take care of something. Sure. But for now, there's nothing else we need to be doing other than what we are, which is sitting here and using the breathing experience as a way of gathering and collecting that often dissipated or fragmented capacity of mind and heart that can just meet, that can just know, that can just experience where we are. And from that landing, meeting, connecting, many possibilities begin to open up. And I'll say more about that as we go. But within that, two of the fundamental possibilities are the possibility of opening more fully to what our experience is, to what our life is, to what it is that we are as human beings. Human beings is just a concept. But what it is that we are, this living, breathing, feeling, responding, life. So opening more to what it is that we are and also coming to be interested in both the particularities of our unique human experience and equally the universalities, the universalities or the universal principles that apply to all things that are not just about me or you, but about life and the nature of it, which when we see and are in harmony with, we can therefore flow at ease with life. When we don't understand and easily then become in conflict with, we experience life as a series of collisions or attempt to avoid collisions, not always successfully. Now that may or may not resonate with your experience, and if it doesn't, it's fine. I'm not trying to convince you of anything here. But what I'd really just like to invite you to do is give yourself wholeheartedly to this process and see what happens. Don't try and evaluate it as we go along. Just see what happens. And at the end of the retreat, you can reflect and see, oh, was that useful? Was that helpful? Did it make sense in terms of what I'm interested in? Was it contributing to that? So, we use the breathing as a way of focusing and gathering the attention, but we're not rejecting or pushing away other things. It's really important, this. When thoughts arise, as they will, and maybe you noticed one or two this morning already, I don't know. Um, if thoughts arise or other experiences like feeling somewhere else and sensations in the body or sounds, just notice them. Don't make them into a problem. Hearing someone cough or the sound of a bird, it's just an experience. 
It's just happening. It comes in, we notice, oh, sound, hearing, fine. Come back to the breathing. It's not like we want to tell the birds to shut up, because they're not going to. You can if you like, but what you'll find is just doesn't work. Nor can we tell our minds to shut up. Because actually if you try, what you'll find out is it's your mind making a lot of noise trying to tell itself to be quiet. It doesn't work. But what we can do is say, okay, I'm taking my attention consciously and kindly and bringing it here to this experience, this body sitting here breathing. And if we just keep doing that, sometimes we'll be able to sustain the attention for a few breaths. Sometimes the breath will just ping off. Sorry, the attention will just ping off very quickly. If it doesn't, notice that it doesn't, bring it back. That's the practice. That's why we call it a practice. It's something we're learning. It's something that develops in its own way, in its own time. And so it's important to bring an attitude of kindliness together with that attitude of wholeheartedness, of really saying, yes, I give myself to this for now to see what happens. And yet within that, I don't want to hassle myself when it goes differently than I thought it would or than I wished it and hoped it might. I don't need to hassle myself for that. We're just doing what we can here. And the balance between that giving ourselves and then also just allowing things to be. That's what will most usefully support the deepening and the development of your practice and of this process. And so just now taking a few moments to settle into your meditation posture, just feeling what it's like. Just to repeat a couple of the things I suggested from yesterday, I'm just looking around noticing, check and see if your knees are higher than your pelvis, this is going to be hard work. Because if they are, you can feel what happens if you do it, the lower back rolls outwards, the curve in our lower back flattens, and suddenly a whole lot of muscles engaged have to hold our body up to stop it tipping backwards or forwards. If the knees are below the pelvis, or at least not above it, it's easy for the top of the pelvis just to be gently tilted forward, ever so slightly. And what that means is the, lower cur the curve in the lower back, that gentle arch, is supported and sustained. And it's that that our torso rests upon. Mostly we're used to supporting ourselves by leaning on the back of a chair or something. And if you need to do that because you have some injury or vulnerability in your back, that's fine. But what's important is to be upright and to a certain degree supporting oneself from within. And so this upright quality, if your knees are in the air when you're sitting on the floor, and this might sometimes be the case, you might grab a blanket or a cushion and just put it under there to support them so that they're not sort of waving around, but they're, if you can, I don't know if you can see, if this was one's knee, you'd put something under it so it just sits on something rather than waving. It's much more stable. If you're sitting in a chair, you might need to put something under your feet if your feet don't quite touch the ground, sitting comfortably. Or you might need to put something under your bottom if they're um, touching the ground and your knees are sticking up because the chairs don't exactly fit everybody. 
small things, but actually they're really helpful. So then just taking a moment to sense the uprightness of your body. When the body extends upwards, there's a sense of space that's created between the pelvis and the breastbone. The space in which the, the breathing moves in our abdomen. And so it's really useful that we're not leaning forward and squashing or compressing that space. And as we sit up, as that space opens, and you can just feel it, sense it, what it's like for that space between the pelvis and the breastbone to open up. It's like naturally the shoulders start to gently slide or drop off the back of our torso. So they go backwards and downwards, not forcing them here, but just allowing them to soften back down a little. And that opens the space in the chest, again allowing the breath to move freely. And this upright posture, not rigid or tight, so there's possibility of movement. Feeling up through the neck and the head, as if the head were light on your shoulders. As if perhaps there was a helium balloon attached underneath your chin, with a soft, <coughs> loose, sort of, and comfortable connecting that just lifted the head off the shoulders. Now you don't have to quite visualize or try and do that, but just having a sense of the head being light upon the shoulders. Sometimes useful just to tuck your chin in a little. So we're not leaning forward with our head. And yet it's upright. Hands can be where they are comfortable. Sometimes we place them in the lap, sometimes upon the knees or the thighs. If you find it supportive with the thighs or the knees, don't put them too far forward. If you have both hands beyond your knees, it'll tend to pull your torso forward. Okay, so useful often just to bring them back. But see what's comfortable for you. There's no rules here with the posture. If you're in a chair, actually putting your feet flat on the ground, really useful. So you feel earthed, grounded, connected. And so this quality of grounding, uprightness, and then again relaxing, taking a moment to just feel through the body from the face, eyes, cheek, head, just beginning to notice where there's tension. And as you breathe out, just inviting it to soften and release naturally, without forcing, with the out-breath that has a relaxing quality to it. And then bringing the attention, bringing your attention into your lower part of the head, around the jaw, back of the neck, the head, sorry, back of the head, occiput region, the neck and shoulders. And again, just as you breathe out, allowing and inviting those parts of your body to soften, to relax. If you notice your jaw is holding tight, just allow there to be a little space between your teeth. And keeping the mouth closed, unless you can't breathe through your nose if you have a cold, then of course use your mouth. But otherwise, useful to have the mouth closed. And just feeling that softening, relaxing through the shoulders into the torso, the chest is open, 
the belly soft and not held in, the weight of the body resting upon your bottom, your buttocks, pressing into the chair, the cushion or the bench. And within that sitting experience, beginning to bring your attention more fully into the breathing experience. This ripple and flow of sensations that lets you know breathing is happening right now. And you can follow that experience as the breath comes in and moves out of your body. As you breathe out, you might notice a way in which the body just softens and drops as the air moves up and out through the body. As you breathe in and the air comes down into the body, you might notice a way in which the body expands and rises slightly. It's an upwards moving energetic quality as the breath comes in, as the body engages and muscles begin to work to expand the chest and abdominal cavities and to draw the breath in. And then as those muscles relax and that space reduces as the body softens, the air moves out. And you may feel that on the interior of your body, air moving within the nostrils, the throat, the chest, the sense of the flexing, expanding and relaxing that takes place in the body. You might feel it as the movement of your clothing against your skin while this breathing takes place. Whatever you notice is just fine. And however the breath might be is just fine. Whether rough or smooth, long or short, deep or shallow, just let it be as it is. And bringing a, a gentle but wholehearted attention to this experience, to be mindful and conscious of what's happening moment by moment, breath by breath. And whenever you notice and become aware that you've been drawn to some other experience, become lost in thinking, distraction, fantasy, planning, or whatever, without judgment, without any blaming of oneself or anything else, just begin again. Come back to the breathing, to the body sitting here, just as it is. neither resisting nor pursuing experiences that arise. Simply acknowledging, reconnecting 
being awake, conscious and present with this body breathing experience, just as you are.
When you notice you've become lost in thinking, dwelling in the realms of the mind, just coming back into your body, reconnecting with the natural movement and experience of breathing, just right here and right now.
And as we come towards the end of the sitting period, just continuing to consciously connect with this experience of sitting here, body on the earth, upright, relaxed, breathing in, breathing out. And when you hear the sound of the bell, just take a moment to listen, to receive that experience too. As the sound arises, continues a little while and then fades away. And when the sound is faded into the silence, taking that as the marker for the end of the formal sitting period. So the sitting doesn't end when the bell begins to ring, but when it finishes ringing. And we can finish with it at that point. So please feel free to take a moment if you need to adjust your bodies to bring any ease or relief if there's pressure, discomfort. I'd like to just speak a little about the walking meditation. But uh, before I do so, the coordinators asked me to uh, pass on a kind of a reminder, really, um, with the... Uh, the washing of hands before coming to take food at the mealtime or even to make a cup of tea actually. Whenever we engage with those communal utensils and containers, it's really important that our hands are clean. So if we haven't just come from a sink where we washed our hands, then to take some of the antiseptic gel and just work it into your hands. And it's really helpful for actually protecting us all, keeping us all safe with the various sort of uh, other members of the retreat that are very small and like to travel around between us, uh, who we maybe want to discourage from doing that. Uh, so 
obviously you know what that's about. And uh, it's more just a case of remembering as a practice of compassion for ourselves and each other to keep ourselves well, that we keep our hands clean. And the, and uh, it's, a, it's also kind of when we're queuing up and we're think, sort of queuing for the meal, it's a good time to just get some of that stuff and rub it all over your hands. Um, and also with your cups, when you make a hot drink in between the meal times, as you may sometimes do, please wash the cups well, which means using hot water maybe running in the tap and the sponges that are there at the sinks, if they're not already full of soap, and they often are, put a few drops of soap detergent into them and then you can soap the, the cup, rinse it in the hot water, dry it and put it away. And then again, it's really protecting us all. Um, and uh, taking care of each other is really an important part of what we're doing here. With the walking meditation, it's essentially the same practice as sitting meditation. Sometimes we think that sitting must be the real thing and walking some kind of you know optional extra. It's not true. It's actually something really important, really useful and very much part of the wholeness of this practice. And the very practice itself also is very similar, even though it looks very different, because what we're essentially doing is seeking to connect and be present, to be open, to be interested in our experience as it presents itself, as it unfolds, moment by moment. So in the sitting, we use the breath and the sense of the body sitting here, because that's most of what's happening at a simple bodily level we're sitting, we're breathing. In walking, mostly what's happening is that we're lifting up one foot, moving it forward and putting it down, and then the other. That's what, we, that's what makes it walking. We do that. And so that's what we pay attention to, because it's the primary element of the activity. So we find a place where we can walk. And with walking, we're not walking to get somewhere. We mostly, in our lives, when we're walking, we're going from A to B. And we're either thinking about what was going on when we were in A, where we were, or what's going to happen when we get to B, where we're going. In the walking meditation, our interest in is actually interest is where we are, which is right here, which is this foot touching the ground, this foot lifting into the air, and the sense of our body moving through space or through the landscape, as it is. So... Rather than going somewhere or going for a walk or a general wander around, we find a place and kind of set ourselves a certain containment within it. And generally what's useful is to walk back and forth, or possibly in a circle. But either way, we're not going anywhere. We're not getting anywhere. And we don't need to get anywhere because we're already here. We need to remember that we're here and connect with that experience. And that's our practice. The remembering and connecting is our practice. And we do that in the midst of walking. Walking meditation is really helpful because it, it helps balance energetically the amount of stillness in the sitting. Then there's some movement in the walking. And it gives us some opportunity to practice being mindful, being aware, being pres present and sensitive when we're engaged in an activity. In one sense, it's a little more complicated because there's more going on. There's more things happening more possibilities of getting lost. In another sense, it's a little bit easier because, for some at least, because there's some movement, fluidity. We're not held so sort of firmly in the posture. Some people find it more challenging. Some people find it 
less challenging, much the same as sitting. So if you haven't done it before, just explore it and see. Again, the point isn't what your experience might be, but what we do in meeting it and responding to it. And the primary thing here is again just noticing what's happening, seeing if we can be open, not making demands of how it should be, not forming conclusions about what it means, but just walking in order to walk, in order to be alive and awake in our aliveness. So we find a place where we can walk back and forth, maybe between five or ten, maybe even fifteen yards or meters to walk back and forth. There's the walking meditation room just at the end of the ramp and to your left or equally at the bottom of the stairs, the main stairwell by the um, lounge. You can enter it from that side also and it's a very contained and lovely space for walking meditation. My encouragement to you would be to go outside because it's beautiful. It's uh, fortunate that we have a sunny day and a rather exquisitely uh, uh, wonderful landscape and the gardens of Gaia House here, at least in my view. It's rather lovely to have the opportunity to walk in such a place. And so to find somewhere where you can walk back and forth, begin by standing still a few moments. We'll do that all together in here in just a second. But standing still a few moments, and then we walk to the end of the path, noticing what it's like to put our foot on the earth, to lift it up, and put it back down, to move. We come to the end of the length of the path, we stop. We turn around. Maybe stand a few moments again, and then walk back. You might walk really slowly, you might walk at a normal pace, you might sometimes walk quite briskly. It doesn't matter how far you walk in the back and forth. It doesn't matter how many times you do it. It doesn't matter whether it's fast or slow. What matters is that you find what supports you to connect with the present experience, to stay in touch, or to come back again and again in touch. One of the great things about it is that it's an absolutely useless activity. Really, it produces nothing of value that you could sell in a marketplace. And that's actually why it's really important and useful to do it. And why sometimes it's hard, because our mind says, but what's the point? And the thing is that, of course, our mind doesn't yet know what the point is. To be useless in that materialist world is not to be without value. The world of measuring, quantifying, accumulating and having more useful things or experiences is not what the spiritual life is most concerned with. It has its place. But I imagine we're here because we also recognize it has its limitations. And so to let it be really simple as you walk. Just walk in order to walk. Just walk because we're here and because we can. And walking back and forth. What's also useful about stopping, turning around and coming back is that it punctuates the tendency for our mind to just start spinning and run and run and run. And then we have to stop and when we stop we remember, oh, okay, I'm doing walking meditation and go back. Now, generally best to do walking meditation with your eyes open, perhaps for obvious reasons. I did once have a student walk very mindfully into a pond. Um, <laughs> They weren't hurt, fortunately, um, but it wasn't really the most useful thing for them because it was rather cold. And uh, we don't want to get 
too cold out there. So dress warmly if you go outside. I trust you've brought and hope you've brought warm things. And if you haven't, at the, I guess you were told this at the beginning of the um, retreat by the coordinator who was speaking with you. I think it was Parvati. But if not, at the end of the corridor beyond manager's reception in the main entranceway, if you turn left and go just through some glass doors, there's a whole bunch of clothes and cupboards that people have left here or donated here. And there are plenty at least the last time I looked, there were quite a few sort of thick jumpers and other such things, sweaters, jumpers, whatever you call them here. I come from New Zealand. We call them jerseys in New Zealand. Um, so I just have to translate. Uh, and you can borrow those. Hats and gloves too. So, walking meditation at a practical level. Actually, I just want to check, does anyone have any questions with regard to what I've just described about the walking or in regard to the instructions for the sitting at this time. It's fine if you do, but you don't have to come up with one if you don't. Okay, good. So we'll do just a little practical experiential instruction for the walking meditation. So what I'd like you to do, and notice if you immediately start to change your posture here, don't. Just bring your attention into your body, wherever it is right now. Notice you can do that with your head hanging on the side, with your knees bent, flopping like this. It doesn't matter how you're sitting. We can just feel our body as it is. And then from that place, actually, come to a standing position, but noticing as you move your arms or your legs or your body, just noticing that you're doing it and what that's like. So let's stand up. Hand on your mat or in front of your mat. Ideally, you just need to have six inches, 15 centimeters in front of you. A little more is useful, but you don't really need much more than that. But if there's something immediately in front of you, either move or if it's small, move it. So you could actually take a step, a very small one if you need it, which we will. But beginning, just take a moment to stand with your feet on the ground. Place them approximately shoulder width apart, so they're not really close together nor too far apart, and that's kind of just a natural standing posture that's balanced. Let the weight be even between front and back. And just soften a little bit behind your knees so your, your legs aren't rigid and tight, they're just soft and articulated. Alive is what that means. And you can, if you wish, have your eyes closed for this, um, this instruction and experience. You don't have to have them open, but it's fine to have them open. If you feel in any way unsteady or light-headed, have them open. Really useful. And uh, generally, the arms can be wherever you like them to be, but I tend to just let them hang by my side. If it's outside and it's cold, you might need to put them in your pockets or put on gloves, but just releasing the arms a little. And then just now moving your weight into your left foot. I'll mirror that. And noticing what it feels like as the weight comes into your left foot and then move the weight into your right foot. Feel what that is like if you move the weight fully across into that foot. And then the weight back into the left foot as we did. Noticing what it's like as the weight comes into the left and noticing what it feels like in your right foot as the weight comes out of it that you can lift it up now, lifting your right, moving it forward just a few inches or centimetres. 
and then placing it down back on the ground, moving your weight into your right foot, then taking a small step with your left to stand beside the right in the same way. Just feeling what that's like. A simple experience of walking. It's just this. And what we've just done, being mindful of it, is walking meditation. You may at times find you get distracted from this. If you do, notice that it's happened and begin again. If you get lost or feel confused or think, what's the point? Just stop and stand still for a little while. Gather yourself again and then begin to walk. So it's time for walking meditation. And we have about 30 minutes now. We'll come back in again at 11 o'clock. My encouragement to you is to use the time for walking. It's not a tea break. If you're really cold and need a hot drink, take it with you and go walking with your cup of whatever. But if you just need a little liquid to lubricate the system, sometimes a quick drink of water is just as useful. And then we can do the walking meditation. So uh, please enjoy the opportunity to be outside if you wish. And uh, we'll come back together at 11. Thank you. Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.